Destination Medicine is a joint project of the regional training hubs. This podcast series brings you medical students' accounts of their experiences in applying to study medicine. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Samantha Boog's dream to study medicine started early in life, but her dream kept being thwarted. First, she was told she wouldn't get in. Her marks weren't good enough. So she settled for pharmacy, hopefully as a pathway to medicine, because she still harboured her medical dream. Then she was diagnosed with epilepsy and was told that medicine was out of the question. She'd be endangering patients. Still, she kept thinking, I just want to do medicine. Now Sam has overcome the odds, including a ferocious sense of imposter syndrome. And everything is heading in the right direction for a bright medical career. She's a registered pharmacist, now in her third year of postgraduate medical studies at Wollongong University. And she's currently on rural clinical placement in Forbes. It's been quite a journey. So where did her dream start? Sam Boog is talking to Heather Dawson. I do not know the answer to this question. As far as I know, I've always wanted to be a doctor. But when I got asked that question in the pre-interview, I asked my dad and he said when I was about three or four, my mum was actually quite sick. And he said, apparently, I said I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to look after my mum. So (laughs) it's been ingrained in me, but I had no idea that's where it came from. (laughs) However, you are a a registered pharmacist. Yes. So what led you to medicine via pharmacy? So I had a careers advisor, I think it was year 10 or 11, that we have a meeting with them. And I said to her, I want to do medicine. And she said, unless you're ATAR's 9899, there's no point applying for undergraduate. So unfortunately, my ATAR was not going to be that high. She advised me to look at pharmacy, uh, pharmacy or physio and do them as an undergrad because they're a great stepping stone and she also said it's very competitive and if you don't get in you at least have a degree to fall back on and one that you would have some interest in. Did you consider any other degrees to pharmacy? Uh, People do talk about doing like clinical science or biomedical sciences but I didn't think I'd be quite interested in them if I had to remain in that field for a bit so I just tossed up between pharmacy and physiotherapy. However, everybody seemed to know, uh, Sam, that you were ambitious to study medicine. So did that put a bit of pressure on you to follow through? Well, I've actually thought about this. I think I've never felt pressure to do medicine. I've always just said that's what I'm doing. But when I did apply for the whole process, my mum was so behind me, 110%. She was my biggest cheerleader. But then when I did get in, I called her straight away. She was so excited. But When I told my dad, he actually said to me, he's like, okay, this is great, but if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. And like, I knew he was proud, like he said he was proud, but I actually really appreciated him saying that because then it reinforced that I was doing it for me. I didn't feel obliged, I didn't feel pressured because he was saying, you don't have to. Like he gave me that permission to step out if I wanted to. So you deferred a year and studied pharmacy. Yes. And you did your pharmacy internship. But then what happened? So I had a little bit of a speed bump along the way. I did pharmacy. I did an integrated honours program. So I did a research thesis as well. 
And then when I graduated pharmacy, I actually had a bit of a health incident, like a bit of a health hiccup. And a few doctors were then obviously involved in my healthcare and specialists. And I had quite a few people say to me that I would not be able to be a doctor because of that health episode. And I think that just put me on the track of, all right, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'll just do pharmacy. Uh, so I never sat my game, sat my intern year, which was my original plan. And I don't know, I just, I started looking into doing my PhD in pharmacy. I got accepted to that as well. Obviously didn't do it. (laughs) But yeah, no, I just had people say I couldn't do it. And then I finally went to a new specialist and he just was like, no, there's nothing holding you back. There's no reason to hold back. Like, just do it. So then I sat the game, sat and yeah, as they say, the rest is history. (laughs) Well, that health scare was epilepsy. Is that correct? Yes, I had a seizure just as I finished my degree, we had no idea what triggered it. We had no idea what was happening. And yeah, people just said, if you have epilepsy, you can't be a doctor. Not quite true. No. Well, that's what I found out. I went to this neurologist and he literally just looked at me and was just like, no, like who's saying this? This is not a thing. <laughs> Good. Well, did you have a mentor or someone who helped you along the way while you were navigating all these twists and turns? I was trying to think of if there had been like that one person, but I really don't think it is. I've just got so many friends or colleagues. And then obviously, like I said, my mum's the biggest supporter uh, that have always supported me. And I think I've just kind of gave me that confidence of I can do this. But then there was another doctor, a retired doctor that actually works with the uni when you're studying physio and such. So when I was studying as a pharmacist. And it turns out he delivered me as a baby, but then he took a bit of interest in me and was kind of very supportive on the sidelines, but he also really motivated me because he was such a professional old school doctor. I was just like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sam, the GAMSAT, what was your strategy when you finally got to do it? I was terrified of it. Uh, <laughs> So I was doing pharmacy and then I was walking to work one day and I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm looking into the GAMSAT. So when I looked into it, I'd actually missed the cutoff for the March exam. So I knew that there was going to be a September sitting and then there'd be another March before I'd have to apply. So I thought I might as well have two goes at it. When I did it that first time, it's terrible. (laughs) It is such a hard, long day. So I was hesitant to do it again, but I did. I bought the papers online. I spoke to people that had done it before. And then because it is such a broad exam, my sister did extension to English. So I was like, right, teach me how to write essays, read my essays, educate me. And then I had a friend that had just sat year 12 chemistry, physics. And I was like, right, give me your textbooks. Let's go through some of this, you know, re-educate me on all of it. So I used the people that were around me to then help me study. Do you have any tips for uh, prospective students about the application process for GAMSAT and preparing? I think just accept it's going to be hard, but you can do it. It is a barrier exam kind of thing to apply to medicine, but if you want to do medicine, you can do this exam and you can get through it easily, really. And in terms of applications, there were so many, I felt, with the essays and such, they want to know about you as a person So just be yourself. Tell them who you are and why you'd be a great doctor. What sets you apart and what unique aspects can you bring to medicine? I think with that, one of my friends, she did a year between her degrees, full-time dancing. And she said it was just something that was unique about her. And they just seemed to really enjoy that she was bringing this other aspect to medicine. It wasn't just education. She actually gone off and done things. 
Okay, then there are the interviews, of course. How did you prepare for the interviews, Sam? I got an interview for one of the universities and it was very early and I honestly just had no idea what to think and everyone said the same thing to me, just be yourself, obviously be as professional, just be yourself and show them who you are. But I did leave that day just going, oh dear golly, Uh, there were so many people there that just seemed next level, so smart. My dad actually drove me to the interview and dropped me off out the front, so I felt so young, childish. (laughs) But then CSU in Orange actually did like a practice interview thing for medical students, so between my two interviews for the two unis. And I went and did that with them and they just did practice stations and then gave you feedback and it was amazing. And then I went to Wollongong interviews. It was very similar and I just felt so much more comfortable with it because I'd done that practice bit. Well, you're spending your year this year doing an extended rural clinical placement in Forbes. What made you decide to do a rural placement? In all honesty, I picked Forbes because it's back home. (laughs) So uh, I can move back with my partner. I'm going to be close to my family again. So that's going to be lovely. But the other thing that I think with rural hospital is I'm going to be a junior medical student there in the hospital and we go smaller and I feel like you're going to have more of an opportunity to learn. haven't started yet, but I feel like I'm going to have more of an opportunity. But also I feel like in a bigger hospital as a medical student, you know, there's going to be a crowd of doctors there. But out in the rural community, even as a student, I might be able to have a beneficial role for people there. Like even if it's sitting down and taking a history, sitting with someone in ED, I'm going to be hopefully... (laughs) Hopefully, I haven't been there yet. But I might just be able to provide that bit of extra comfort and such, even as a student. So, I don't know. I just felt like I could have a bigger role out west than if I stayed in the city. Okay. Now, what's one piece of advice that you wish you had been given before you started this whole medical journey? Everyone talks about it, imposter syndrome. (laughs) It is a thing. I totally agree with it. You go through this massive process and then you finally get through and then I feel like it was almost on the first day they tell you thousands of people have applied for a spot and they've only selected you lot kind of thing and I just felt like it gave me this huge sense of pressure and then there were times right before you'd sit your yearly exams where you just feel like you didn't, like, no, you didn't deserve to be there but just maybe I'm not good enough to be here and there might have been people that missed out and I'm not as good and but then once you mention it to someone you find out everyone has this feeling pretty much and then I learned the name imposter syndrome so I was like oh good it's not just me <laughs> but is, <laughs> is there a way to deal with it do you think I don't I don't know like with Wollongong Uni with the exams we don't get a mark we don't find out what our mark is when we pass But they do send out like a bell curve and they plot where you sit. And I don't know, just looking at the bell curve and seeing myself sitting on there, like in the pass range, I was like, no, I do deserve to be here. I'm sitting around the same level as everyone else. Like everyone else must be feeling the same way I feel. But yeah, I think you just have to accept you've gone through so many barriers to get there. And if you have passed every single one of them, then you deserve to be there. Do you think working as a pharmacist has helped you with your medical studies? Definitely. (laughs) Definitely, definitely in so many ways. Apart from the fact, like, I call them my patients. They're probably called customers. It's retail. But I see them all the time. I'm building rapports with them. I'm counselling them. So many doctors have to pump through these patients, like through GPs or they're discharged from hospital. They come to us. It does get a little bit hard at the moment, that line between not, I have to work as a pharmacist, I'm not allowed to be a medical student. But 
I find I'm talking to patients, I'm educating them on certain disease states, I'm providing that continuity of care, learning how to talk to other doctors. And then you have that foundation of all this pathophysiology and treatments, which has just been such a relief when I'm going through uni at the moment with certain subjects. I see people with flashcards trying to learn drug names, but they're my bread and butter. So I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Have you found a study technique that works well for you? I tried to study the same way I studied with pharmacy. I got good grades, so I thought, right, I can stick with that method. But then the main thing I found was don't work to a timetable, just work to like a to-do list. So before I used to be like, right, I'm going to do this lecture, this learning objectives in the next hour and a half, and then I'll have a break and then I'll do this. But with medicine, it's so interlinked so many disease states everything's interlinked so it was easier to just set a time and be like right I'm going to sit down I'm going to learn this pathophysiology and I'm going to take as long as I need to learn it because if I learn it thoroughly then I'm set and I think that was really important for me to realize I can't sit down and work to a timeline but if I sit down and just focus on learning the disease that's the most important thing. Okay well I have one last question for you Sam what's the thing about medicine that you weren't prepared for? So I don't know if this is medical school specific, but I think the one thing I was worried I wouldn't be prepared for was death. I know that sounds rather morbid, but I didn't know how I'd cope with it. I'd never seen anyone pass away. I had never really seen anyone that was, say, palliative. I hadn't seen it, and it really scared me as to how I would deal with it. And then it was actually whilst I was studying medicine that I got exposed to my first case, but I was actually working as a pharmacist when it happened. I had a gentleman come into the pharmacy. He collapsed, had a stroke. We did CPR for about 45 minutes, but he did unfortunately pass away. And during all of that, I was the pharmacist in charge and I had to manage the bystanders, my staff, and then obviously hand over when the paramedics did arrive. And the way I dealt with it afterwards and I reflected on it, I was like, I I coped, I remained professional, I helped as much as I could and moved on. So it was a massive concern for myself when I started medicine that I wouldn't be able to cope with it. But then now I've been exposed to it and I managed. I feel like I don't, I'm not as concerned now. I feel like, you know, I've done it once. I can help again. I can do this. That's Sam Boog, third-year medical student at Wollongong University. We trust you've enjoyed this episode of Destination Medicine, a joint project of the regional training hubs. The hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.